Good morning again, everybody. Hey, did you have a good 4th of July week? Some of you are looking at each other like, uh, did we? I don't know. <laughs> um, I took uh, my family to Kansas. I know that that's not a place that you go visit very often, but um, uh, I'm from Kansas, born and raised there, and I tell everybody it's a great place to be from. And so uh, we went back, visited family. Many of you know my dad had a stroke a couple of weeks ago, and so this was a great opportunity. Our entire family was able um, very, very spontaneously to gather together. I have three sisters, um, and so myself, my family, my three sisters, their whole family, everybody was able to be there. My dad was doing great, uh, responsive, the same grumpy old man that he was before the stroke. Um, always had something to complain about, but like he was, he was up, he was alert. We had a great time just uh, spending some, some quality family time together. After we got together to talk, we decided that it would be uh, a great idea for us to go out on the lake. One of my sisters and her uh, husband have a, a real nice ski boat, and so we grabbed some inner tubes. Anybody ever been inner tubing? <laughs> well, I realized very quickly that though... Um, Though I'm still able to do a lot of the things that I was able to do in my 20s and 30s, I don't recover nearly as quickly. So if I'm moving kind of slow today um, or moving kind of like a robot, my neck isn't, uh, is, hasn't caught up quite yet. But uh, those of you who maybe are friends with me on Facebook, you've seen um, some of those wipeouts that I had. My son, who's 12, um, is constantly doing this. This was the, the signal to go faster. And I'm constantly getting like, what are you doing? Stop, stop it. But uh, we had a great time uh, just being able to be together. And, and uh, hopefully you guys did as well. And you just had a, a wonderful uh, 4th of July week and able to spend some time with family, able to spend some time with some of your other friends and just be able to celebrate the freedoms that we have here uh, in this great country. And so uh, if you're just uh, new with us today, we're kind of in the middle of our series. Uh, this is week five of our series on the essentials of our faith. We've taken the last few weeks to dive into what you might call our, our core beliefs. And these are things that unite us here at South Suburban. As we've talked over the last few weeks, the church always has something to disagree on. There's always something that we can find where we don't see eye to eye. Um, in fact, when we do that, that, that starts to get, um, cause us to get distracted and to cause division. And so as we are stepping into this new exciting season here at South Suburban, we decided to be great for us to focus on those things that unite us, those things that we can, we can agree on. Maybe we have different styles in music, but we believe in, in these essentials of our faith. And so um, we're going to be jumping in today as we look uh, at our belief in regards to salvation. The fundamental, bottom line, rock solid, core belief of the Christian faith. Saving us is the greatest and most concrete demonstration of God's grace and love that he has put on display throughout all of eternity. Through salvation, our past has been forgiven, our present is given meaning, and our future is secured. And so to look forward into this, um, this essential of our faith, we're actually going to take a moment and we're going to look back into the, uh, the study on the Trinity that we've done the last few weeks. If you were to look at our three pieces here that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, you would remember that we talked about the Father, 
And our, our Father, God the Father, is our creator. And he is the one who we have been separated from and we're trying to get back to. <laughs> we're trying to reestablish this relationship with, with our creator. And then there is Jesus, the Son. He is the one who, he's our Savior, and he made a way for us to get back to the Father. And then there's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the one that is constantly pointing us to Jesus. And as you look at this, this picture of the Trinity, you see not only the beautiful relationship and the roles of these three very distinct and yet one God, you also recognize and you see here God's plan for salvation. The beautiful picture. Why the Holy Spirit is here, always pointing to Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. Why is Jesus such a big deal? Because Jesus is the way back to the Father. And you see the relationship of the Trinity here. And today we're going to be looking at the, um, the essential belief that we have in regards to our salvation. And so I want to give you our summary and then we'll unpack it together. And this very simply is this. We're saved only by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Probably a phrase you've heard a hundred times if you're a regular churchgoer. You may have even written this phrase out in a Sunday school class or maybe if somebody was asking you for a testimony of your, uh, your beliefs, you may have written this down before. We're saved only by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There's a couple of things that lead up to this, up to this essential belief that we have that we first need to, to recognize. The first one is that mankind has a need for salvation. There, there's this phrase that a lot of people in church are familiar with, and it's called righteousness. In the world today, people might interpret that incorrectly as just goodness. Being a good person does not mean that you're a godly person. Being a good person does not equal a righteous person, because righteousness is actually your standing before God. Either you're in right standing with God or you're not. Righteousness is to be in a right standing, to have a good relationship with him, to not have anything that separates you. But when mankind opened the door to sin, that sin separated us from God. It separated us from God's holiness. Our sin came between us and a holy God. See, a lot of people picture hell as a lake of fire, a red devil with horns and a pitchfork. But what hell really is, is eternal separation from our creator. If God is the only source of true love, joy, peace, fulfillment, hope, then what hell represents is eternal separation from all of those things. To never feel love, to never feel peace, to never have joy or fulfillment for all of eternity because you're separated from your creator, the source of all those things. That's what hell truly is. It's a separation from our creator. 
So mankind found himself in a position where we needed to find a way back to God. We needed to, to find a way to no longer be separated from our creator. Now, most people don't have a hard time acknowledging that humanity is imperfect. How many of you guys would raise your hand and say, I can attest to the fact that I am not perfect, neither is the person beside me. <laughs> now, a lot of hands went up on that. Listen, most people don't have a problem admitting humanity is not perfect. But the requirements for salvation were that we had to live a perfect life. Because of sin, we could not earn righteousness. We couldn't earn a right standing with God. We could not be good enough to get back into a right standing with God. Something was needed to restore what was broken. Something was needed to return us to right standing with God again. We needed something to restore our righteousness. We needed someone. The second thing that leads up to this essential is to see that God had a plan for salvation. Not just that man needed it, but God had a plan for it. Now, in order to grasp salvation, you have to understand that God is a just God and he cannot turn a blind eye to sin. Payment had to be made for the sins of humanity. He couldn't just say, ah, it's okay. Sin's not that bad. I'll just let it go. He's a just God. And so a payment had to be made. And as we discussed earlier in this series, Jesus took the sin of humanity upon himself. He took it to the grave. He paid the debt of our sin. And he made a way for us to get back to the Father. Jesus made a way for us to be righteous again. So how do we receive this righteousness? Jesus made a way, he paved a way for us. How do we walk down that road to righteousness again? How do we receive this salvation? That question is what leads us to this essential belief that we're looking at today. And there's really three pieces that are in this belief. And they're all captured in this passage found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. You're going to see it on the screen. It's also in your notes today. This verse we're going to come back to probably four times today. If you have a pencil, I'm going to ask you to highlight some or to, to underline some things, to circle some things, because this is such a great verse when it comes to really just unpacking what it is we believe about salvation. Let's read it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. It says, God has demonstrated for all time to come the extraordinary greatness of his grace in the love that he showed us in Christ Jesus. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift, so that no one could boast about it. The first piece of this essential is very simply that we are saved only by grace. Specifically, God's grace. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It is a gift from God. 
In fact, what I'd like you to do in your notes today is just to circle those words by God's grace in that scripture passage in Ephesians. It is by God's grace that we're saved. It's a gift. Mankind has tried to earn things throughout history. We've tried to do our best. We've tried to deserve things. We've tried to earn things. But try as you may, salvation does not come by your efforts. It does not come by your goodness. It comes only by God's grace. That's why we call it a gift. The gift of salvation is something that you have not earned, nor have you deserved, but God offers it freely to you. You don't have to qualify for it. You don't have to do something. Jesus has already done everything. And now God is extending this gift. It's because of his grace, his unmerited favor towards you. If you look at verse nine, it says, it's, it's not the result of your own efforts. It's not your goodness. It's not your works. Listen, it's not your church attendance. It's not. It's not how long you've been saved. It's not how many small groups you've attended or how many good church things you've done. We don't earn it. It's God's gift. And I like the last part of this passage so nobody can boast about it. Listen, I hear a lot of boasting in the church today. A lot of people boasting about their goodness, about their their church attendance, about their involvement in things. I think it's admirable. And I, um, I applaud you for your investment. I I love it. But you've not earned your salvation still. 40 years after being saved, it will still be a gift from God. It'll still be a gift from God. So we're saved only by grace. The second is that we are saved only through faith. Only through faith. Salvation is a gift of God that we receive by placing our trust in the Savior, in his son, Jesus, the one who brings salvation to us. So if you look at that passage again, take a moment here and just circle the words through faith. This is the second part of this essential. It's through faith. We're saved only by grace. It's a gift that we didn't earn and only through faith. It requires us placing our trust in God. That really becomes the the hinge point where mankind has to step into this salvation plan. God laid the plan out. Jesus paved the way back to the Father. The way that we walk down that path is by saying, Jesus, I will follow you. And he'll lead you down that path back to the Father. But that is where mankind has to engage in this plan for salvation and say, I've been trying a lot of different roads. I've been walking a lot of different paths. I've been following my own ideas and my own desires and my own plans for a long time in my life. But Jesus, now I'm choosing to follow you. That is faith. It's placing your trust in him. It's saying, Jesus, you lead me, I'll follow That's what it is to place our faith in Jesus. 
So when we say it's a gift of God and we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, that's great. The way that we, we receive it then is that we say, Jesus, I will follow you. You're in control. You're in charge. I'm going to trust you. It doesn't mean that I don't have questions in life. It doesn't mean that I don't struggle sometimes believing different things or learning or understanding. It doesn't mean that, that, I'm, that I'm perfect now all of a sudden. It means that I'm following a perfect Savior. It doesn't mean that I don't have baggage. It doesn't mean that there aren't things in my life that don't need to change still. It means that I'm following you. I place my faith in you. I trust you. And this could be, this, I might put some unintended roadblocks in my own path. I might make it more difficult than it really needs to be. It may be my, my fault that this journey is so difficult. Jesus, I know that you're gonna be faithful to me. I know that you're gonna walk me through those bumps, through those hills, through those valleys, but I choose to follow you. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna make decisions based on what you want. I'm gonna follow your words, your will, your desire, not my own. I place my faith in you. Our salvation comes through this faith that we place, the trust that we place in Jesus. Saved only by God's grace, only through faith, and lastly, we're saved only in Christ. It was made possible through Jesus' death on a cross. So if you go back to Ephesians 2 again, and you circle in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. God has demonstrated for all time to come the extraordinary greatness of his grace and the love that he showed us in Christ Jesus. How did he show this love to us? He sent his son to be our savior. He looked down on the creation that he made and he loves and he knew that there was no way for his beloved creation to get back to him unless he sent his son to pay the price for their sins. The only way back to the Father is through Christ Jesus. So he demonstrated, the greatest demonstration of his love and grace for us was in the fact that he sent his one and only son for you because you couldn't find a way back to him, because you couldn't earn a way back to him, but he loved you so much that he said, my son can do it for them. That is the gravity of what we're talking about when we talk about God's love for this world. He loved you so much that he sent his son, and he demonstrated that love. Now, here's a key verse on this, this one point in our essential. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I like how A.W. Tozer said it. He said, Jesus is not one of many ways to approach God, nor is he the best of several ways to approach God. He is, in fact, the only way. Jesus himself said it. I am the way, 
I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, if there were more than one path to salvation, then it would totally negate Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. If there was another way for you to get back to the Father, God would not have had to have sent his son. But it was the only way for it to happen. And Jesus is still the only way to the Father. Guys, it's really important in the culture we live in today that we grasp that. And we understand that. And it doesn't mean that we tout it as we found the way and you haven't. But we need to understand that there are not various or numerous ways to the Father. There is one way. You take that out and you take all the urgency out of church too. And church becomes a country club. Well, we've chosen Jesus and so we're going to gather together and just encourage one another in the way that we've chosen, but the rest of the world is going to end up there as well. There's not a reason for us to go try and convert them, to try and invite them, to try and, and get them to come, to try and get them to believe, to try and introduce them to Christ. It takes all the urgency out of church. And everything becomes internal. But Jesus is the only way. Still today, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. So once again, sending his son was the greatest and most concrete demonstration of God's grace and love throughout all eternity. And so I want to pull this all back together with our essential statement now. And here's the statement. We're brought by God's grace through faith into a saving relationship with God the Father provided through Jesus Christ, his Son. It's only by grace, only through faith, and only in Christ that we're saved. Now, some of you, this may feel, again, like just a, a flashback 40 years to flannel graphs in Sunday school. Like, why are we spending time talking about this? Listen, because our hope is that people are hearing this for the very first time in this room. That maybe this is the first time that somebody has presented a clear explanation of what salvation is. And maybe you have understood this for a long time, but our hope is that there's someone in this room that this is the first time that they've heard it. The Bible talks about this word, repent. And I think, unfortunately, this word has been painted on signs and lifted on street corners for so long that people have this negative connotation about what the word repent is. And a lot of times I think that repent in this new generation, people see the word repent as you better get perfect. You better stop doing bad stuff. You better, not be, you better stop being stupid. You better, like, like this is the kind of thing. You're wrong and we're right. And repent actually doesn't represent any of those things. A couple weeks ago, I'd taken my, my um, family on a, a, a family vacation 
we took a few days and we decided we were going to drive out to uh, meet some family out in California. And so we drove to Las Vegas. We made it there. We stayed the night. The next morning I got up and I got out on the road and there was some construction. We were trying to go, well, 10 minutes down the road, I realized I'm going the wrong way. (laughs) Fortunately, it was only 10 minutes down the road. But listen, I turned around and I started going the right way. That's what repent means. It just means that no matter where you're at in life, you start following Jesus. You start moving towards God instead of away from him. Instead of being random in the way that you go, repent means that you turn and you decide to go towards God. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you don't have baggage. It means that you say, I'm going to stop what I've been doing, and I'm going to start going and moving towards God. That's what repent means. If our world would understand that, then repent would probably drop all its baggage, and we would be able to say, okay, I get it now. We need to repent. We need to stop all the other stuff, and we need to start moving towards God. It's my decision if I'm going to do this or not, I'm going to choose to repent. I'm going to choose to start going the right way, moving towards God, following Jesus, letting him take the lead. Placing Jesus at the center of your life, living your life based on his desires for you. So when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to a relationship with God. Jesus places us back into right standing with God the Father. That, that circle of the Trinity is completed. The Holy Spirit is pointed to Jesus. Jesus makes a way back to the Father, and we have been able to be restored to a relationship with our Creator. Righteousness is ours again. But here's what the Bible says. It's really not our righteousness that got us there. It's Jesus' righteousness. But because of his righteousness, that's the path that he laid. We walk down his righteousness right back into a relationship with God the Father. It's what salvation is. It's what we believe. It's what we hold dear. It is the core, it is the bottom, it is the foundation of the Christian faith. If you take that away, Christianity has nothing to stand on. It's what makes us different from every other belief out there. That we needed a way back to the Father and that Jesus provided it. And that we get it by following him. So when you say yes to Jesus, when you admit that you can't do it on your own, that we don't have it on our own. That by trusting him with the lead in our life and receiving what the Bible calls the gift of grace, salvation, now we're back into a right standing with God the Father. We complicate this message a lot. The ones who are guilty the most of it is really the church. We get distracted by other things. It doesn't mean that other things aren't important and that we don't need to learn and grow and develop, but a lot of times when we're talking to a a new culture, we start in the wrong place. 
We start with, you gotta, you gotta stop doing things. You gotta look like this, you gotta talk like this, you gotta dress like this. And what scripture tells us is the only thing that needs to change is that we need to repent. We need to start following God. Now we're gonna talk about what that is here in just a second because if you're here today and you've never repented, if you've never said yes to this gift of salvation, then I wanna give you an opportunity to do that before we leave today. It would be, it'd be a shame for us to talk about salvation and not have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And so I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with me in just a moment here, and it's not magical words. It is you declaring that you're placing your faith in Jesus. And scripture talks about a couple of things they're so important when it comes to this. And number one is the same thing that everybody raised their hands on just a few moments ago. It's admitting that you're not perfect. It's raising your hand and saying, Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not perfect. I know that. I know that I have, I have shortcomings. I have, I have hangups. I, I have sin in my life. And Jesus, I'm asking that you would forgive me of those. And I'm choosing to follow you. And I simply want to give you an opportunity to put those things into some words that you want to speak. If you've never prayed this prayer before, if you've never said yes to Jesus in that way, I invite you to do it right now. If you guys would take a moment, just bow your heads. Close your eyes. If that's you and you're ready to declare your faith in Jesus today, I invite you to pray a simple prayer like this. You can say, Jesus, thank you for making a way for me back to the Father again. I recognize that, that I have sin in my life that's prevented me from ever earning that relationship. And so I ask you to forgive me of that sin. Forgive me of my shortcomings. Jesus, I receive your gift of grace and I've placed my faith in you now. I, I choose to follow you, and I ask you to take the lead in my life from this day forward. Amen.